One Week Season. Here we are on the back end of week six. Welcome to the Reflection Podcast. I am your host, Fritz 12 Happy to have you here. I hope you had a great weekend. Hopefully your weekend was better than mine, which was not so great. Uh, but as it were, we are here to learn and grow together. Results notwithstanding. Uh, yeah, so with that, let's jump right into it. Last week was a bit long. I think we'll go a little bit more of a normal <laughs> uh, time this week, hopefully uh, 30-ish minutes. But either way, throw down 1.5 and let's get going. The structure of this pod is to first go over some strategy and just high level stuff, uh, whatever's kind of on my mind and feeling relevant to uh, just kind of hang out and chat about. The next part is going over the guys that we should have maybe been on, uh, call that fluke or fail. And then finally, what did we learn this week? Because at the end of the day, that's what I want us to both take away from this this week, uh, us as a, an OWS fam, is to really feel like we're learning and growing. It's the most important part. So starting with the high-level strategy piece. I've got a couple things I want to hit on here. Just to quickly lay that out, I'm going to touch on some things from actually last week quickly. I'm going to talk about how I play on weeks where I have minimal time to research and build lineups. Uh, we all live busy lives, and you know I've seen this in Discord uh, talking about how we can do this on a shorter week uh, in a personal sense. So I'm going to touch on that because I had one myself last week and also kind of just uh, had to JM's conversation from last week about being uh, demoralized, let's say, because I was feeling a bit of that this weekend. So uh, wanted to chat on that. And then, of course, just my strategy for the week will kind of go over that. So from last week, a couple of things I wanted to just close the loop on, so to speak. When we do our fluke or fail segment, uh, it's really important to me that I am uh, shining some light there. Uh, it, it's important to really be accurate in that section so that we are um, not assessing our plays incorrectly. So I mentioned both Gabe Davis and Brees Hall last week. What I failed to mention, though, is that they were both a tad fluky. Now, this is at least in terms of how high their score was. And the reason that I'm coming back to this, because you probably have already left that in the past, is the nature of how 
tight this uh, fluke or fail can be. So for both of those guys, they got there on absolutely massive plays. Now, that is both or that is within both of their range of outcomes because that's the type of player that they are. But we're talking huge, huge plays. So this is where we're really riding the line and why it's kind of difficult to throw players into one bucket or the other. But I just kind of wanted to mention that uh, there was a tad bit of fluke in how high their score was. So anyways, some nuance there. Um, Another thing that I talked about was letting the slate come to you. And I wanted to just quickly clarify something here because I think this is really important and I think I conflated two very similar yet distinct concepts. So I wanted to parse these out and then this actually sets us up nicely for where we're going this week. So in general, uh, I was offering that I believe that it's likely not optimal to play main slate heavy. And I'm saying like really heavy if you're playing 90% main slate and to spread it out over slates. Again, as I mentioned last week, this may not be true for you. That may be optimal, but for most, I really believe that we aren't being honest with ourselves as players and that spreading it out over slates Uh, over different types of games, showdown, flash drafts, uh, afternoon slate. These things are actually making it more like we're we're adding to our edge by spreading it out and not playing 90% of our bankroll on main slate. The beauty is uh, when you do all the research and know as much as you do, and you have all of the general strategy pieces that are taught here at OWS and that you really start to get a handle on, it's relatively easy to just start throwing stuff together on these other slates. Um, Not that it should be thrown together, so to speak, but it's easier to do that because there's so many less pieces to uh, have in the... Uh, the, the the data assimilation process, which I'm actually going to touch on here in the how do I play on weeks with minimal time. Uh, but before we get to that, but also related, the other part then is letting the slate come to you. And this is determining how you break your play down based on the slate. So rather than taking a general rule and saying, well, I'm going to play 60% on main slate, on the afternoon slate, 10% on, on Sunday night, you know, instead of doing that, sure, you can have a general outline, but it can be especially powerful to cater that breakdown and mold your weekly strategy based on how the slate sets up. Going to talk about some specifics about that for me this week. So moving on to that, uh, how do I play on weeks with minimal time? This past weekend, my wife and I went out of town for 
a weekend in the mountains, uh, just absolutely beautiful here at this time of year. We we live in Raleigh, North Carolina, but the uh, where where we went was Western North Carolina, so near the Asheville area, and the, the Appalachians at this time of year are just absolutely gorgeous with the leaves changing and everything. Drove a good 30 plus miles on the Blue Ridge Parkway. If you haven't been there and you appreciate scenery, uh, I would totally recommend it. It is uh, a gem. It is absolutely beautiful. Uh, if you're afraid of heights, eh, uh, both my wife and I are a little anxious about that. So uh, that part was interesting, but the, the beauty far outweighed that. Um, so we had this long weekend away and I knew I wasn't going to be playing much. And the way I went into this was essentially understanding that I wasn't playing a normal week. And ironically, it didn't turn out that way. We came home a little bit early and I was able to pump in a little extra play, but the way that it looked originally was that I wasn't going to, I definitely was not going to be able to play my normal. And so essentially what I did was I had done my, my first look early in the week and kind of gone through the games, seen what I liked, made my initial notes. And so I read those, let's see, Friday night didn't do anything. So I had no lineups, no research done come Saturday morning. Saturday morning, we were taking things a little bit slow, and I was able to get about an hour of time in on Saturday morning. So I looked over the games. I realized that I liked the way that the afternoon slate was setting up because essentially I was trying to figure out what I was going to do about Buffalo, Kansas City. Of course, that was kind of the cornerstone of the week uh, or the, the key and figuring out how that was going to play out and how you were going to play that. So I started there and I realized that I really liked playing the afternoon slate and going really uh, probably under the field on that spot a little bit because I liked the way some of these other games set up. So what I did was move on to play the afternoon slate. I created some lineups and felt really, really good about them in a short period of time. So it, as a general rule, I would say play the afternoon slate. Uh, and I know that there's many of you that do this. I've talked to some of you in Discord that they just like in general this year aren't even playing main slate. You're sticking to afternoon slate and showdowns because your life is busy and because you simply cannot put in the amount of research and uh, compile all that data and spend the time building the lineups that main slate requires. So I think it's very self-aware. I love that idea. Um, and so I think this is a very, uh, a very sharp way to approach your play because guess what? At the end of the day, we're all DGENs, right? We want to be playing as much as we possibly can. Uh, <laughs> jokes aside, it's fun, right? Like football season is here. It's short. We want to make the most of it. I know that I do. I never want to take a full week off if I don't have to. So doing 
little bits here and there. And then just you have to be realistic about uh, what you can do. So just quickly here before I move on from this, I would say find your parts of the process that are foundational, the things that are uh, maximum ROI in terms of time and energy spent. So for me, that is DFS interpretations. I don't have time to read the entire edge on a week like this. Yes, it's sad. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece of content, um, but I simply don't have time. And so the DFS interpretation sections, though, those are something that I can skim over really quickly, get the high level thoughts, um, but also very valuable thoughts from the contributors. And this is especially helpful for me uh, on weeks where I know I kind of have the, the handful of games that I like or I'm going to be targeting because then I really just have to go over those because as long as I'm confident enough, I don't really even have to account for the other spots. So this looks like me reading six or seven DFS interpretations, which does not take long at all. That is honestly the foundational piece for me. Uh, if I can get more in, I will quickly uh, run through the the scroll and uh, the player grids. All that content on there is great, and that's relatively quick to consume. So I will try to do that. I mean, here's the thing, guys. <laughs> I will do that. You know, you, you take a long bathroom break or something. You, you can literally skim through those things in a matter of minutes, but also uh, really digest some very important information. So another thing that JM talks about just in general uh, when he's mentioned having great weeks on weeks that he is traveling or has less time is this can also be in the back of your head and it doesn't have to be. I made a note to my my wife this past weekend. I told her, I was like, you know what? I'm really proud of myself because normally I would be sitting here. You know, we were I think we were at dinner or something like that. I was like, I would be sitting here just like daydreaming about my lineups and about how I, you know, about the weekend, about football and wouldn't be fully present, which isn't great, right? Like that's ugh, not not a great thing. That was being obsessive about something. And I told her, I was like, I'm, I'm proud of myself. I was like, I realized just now I'm fading off thinking about DFS in my lineups. <laughs> I was like, but it's a great thing that only now was I starting to do it. And I haven't been doing that the whole time. Um, but the point is that you can have these things kind of going in the back of your mind. And they, you know, I think it is really important. I think everybody here at OWS, uh, it, you know, really understands the value of being present. You know, a lot of us are our family people here and, um, you know, there's nothing more important than, than family and spending time with loved ones and all that stuff. So it's important to be present and, and not just be processing DFS, but you can have these things kind of on the back burner and, they can slowly be marinating in the background so that when you bring them to the foreground for half an hour or so, an hour, like I mentioned, um, things can come together pretty quickly. 
All right. Well, I think that's most of what I wanted to get to there. Um, I would also encourage you to reach out with any questions if you have uh, certain things that work for you on weeks with minimal time. I would encourage you to share them in the Reflections channel on Discord. Feel free to tag me at bfritz12. Um, but this is something that, like I said, my way isn't the only way. So if you have your own ways, um, share that with the rest of us. Uh, if you have questions about anything I talked about, shoot that in there as well. Moving on to feeling demoralized, burnt out. Uh, we'll get to some of the fun stuff after this in terms of my strategy for this week, but I wanted to initially just keep it real. Um, because that's what we do here uh, on this pod. And I love that JM talked a little bit about this, but it's this is kind of the point of the season where it does get a little heavy, potentially. Because we're a handful of weeks in, if you haven't had a really great season, or like me, have had some winning weeks, but still not huge wins, um, so, you know, I'm essentially breaking even at this point, uh, which is much better than being down. But the reality of it is uh, when I've had some winning weeks and it feels good and it feels like I'm on the right track, but I'm still don't or I still don't have a ton to show for it. It can feel really hard. And then there is this weekend where I felt just so good about my rosters. As I mentioned, uh, I felt really good about the afternoon slate rosters that I put together in that short period of time. As I also mentioned, I then got some more time on the back end of the weekend on Sunday morning uh, and was able to get some other lineups in that, again, I felt really good about, actually. And... To me, there is nothing worse than feeling so good about the rosters you've put together and just having them fall completely flat. It just hurts so much because that there, there's this feeling that the way that I've realized I've thought about things which is completely wrong and sets me up for utter failure is that when I set myself up to be in a good spot, the win is coming, <laughs> right? Like it's like in that moment, I forget about variance. I forget that things can go any other way because I just feel so strongly and and this is a these are tourney rosters. These are rosters that I've specifically set up as acknowledging they aren't the most likely situations, but I just feel so good about the chances of them and the, the structure and this, this artwork that I've put together and then to have it fall completely flat and for things to go sideways uh, just feels so bad. So just acknowledging that for myself this weekend and just noticing those thoughts where afterwards you know on sunday afternoon late sunday afternoon i'm just like screw this this is just like this is a, a game that's impossible to win i'm never gonna win it just screw it that, that was i noticed those thoughts crossing my mind and actually exactly to jm's point last week uh i was like you know what no 
DFS is fun for me. I'm not going to let it be ruined. Yes, this sucks, but that's not how I want to uh, move forward. That's not the feeling that the taste that I want to have in my mouth, right? That the feeling that I want to have remaining with me. And so what I came back to is that it sucks to be wrong or uh, to not win. <laughs> of course, we all all want those things, but in the reality of DFS, as a tournament player, your goal is really to just live to see another day from weekend to weekend, right? Like that's of course not the long-term goal, but from a weekend to weekend standpoint, you just want to live to see another day. You want to have some bankroll remaining. If you made up a, a decent chunk of your losses and you know, maybe you're not breaking even, but you're not losing a ton. A weekend like that is a good weekend as a tournament player. And so reframing it like that, for me at least, is is always helpful. It's not fun. <laughs> of course we want to win, but it is at least helpful. Um, also just a note here, because as I have had some time to watch games this year, uh, I didn't watch as much football last year. And I love football, but I'd, I've watched a little bit more this year and even, you know, even these crappy island games that we've been getting, right? Uh, just dumpster fire Thursday night games. It is really helpful to watch them. And I know we don't all have time for this. And so I'm not saying that this is some, something you have to do, but I'm saying from a mindset perspective uh, and just kind of like understanding how football works and how high variance is uh it, it just it helps to shine a light on that because and to and to know it, i guess the, the important thing i'm pointing out here is like that it helps to know how far off you were or maybe not you know you weren't so far off it truly is a game of inches um, so this popped into my head when I was watching the Buffalo KC game. I played a bunch of uh, MVS this weekend. Thought he was a really, really strong play at a cheap price uh, as a guy who's been getting a decent amount of work in that offense without having any um, big games or uh, scores yet. And so, <laughs> you know, I'm sure a lot of you saw that game. He caught that touchdown and was called back for penalty, which was just incredibly tilting um, and then didn't do anything the rest of the game. Juju broke a long touchdown, uh, you know, something that I thought would have been MVS's spot. So, you know, it was Juju instead of MVS. Um, but just noticing things like that. And there's a couple more things I've noticed recently. Where I'm just like, oh, man, like I really was so close on that. Uh and I guess this is actually a good place to transition into where I, I was at this weekend, because where I was going here was I played Devin Singletary and I felt really good about that play. I didn't think it was the best play necessarily, uh, but I really liked from a leverage standpoint what that did for me. I thought he was one of the better leverage plays on uh, the slate, meaning uh, the entire slate, but also the afternoon slate specifically. 
Uh, and so he was good. He was an example of good process, right? Because he had the opportunity. I think it was something like 17 carries and five targets, which at, especially at his price in an offense that he uh, is on great, right? Like that's all we can hope for when we're paying 5,900 and going to him as opposed to other running backs in good spots this weekend or receivers from this offense. Uh, so that's a spot where, yeah, he had the opportunity, had opportunities near the end zone, just didn't hit. But let's get out of the weeds for a second here. Zoom out and take a look at my high level strategy this week. So as we know, we had Buffalo KC this week, which was kind of the cornerstone and how we approached this kind of determined how we were approaching the slate as a whole. For myself, I was pretty comfortable going in, um, maybe not being underweight on the field, but essentially playing the quote unquote other pieces here. Uh, so, the, you know, Singletary, Dawson Knox, Bills D and MVS were was really my my small player pool from this game that I did not go outside of and I kind of mixed and matched. Uh, I guess I did have an Allen roster, so I'll talk about that here in a second. But um, the way that I was seeing this is that this game plays relatively close, doesn't go, you know, it doesn't get into, uh, you know, we're not playing at like 38, 34 game or something like that. I didn't think it was going to get quite so high with how well these teams know each other and looking at the other spots in the slate, I did like some of these other environments and felt really good about them from a price considered standpoint. So the idea was to um, play some of this game, but I had no stacks, like no big stacks here, no overstacks, nothing like that. Uh, and, and honestly, this was from a strategy standpoint, but also from a standpoint of like, I just, I just didn't love anything that I could create there. So that was what I did. And then in terms of uh, the afternoon slate only, I think I kind of mentioned was I really, really liked these other games. Actually, I was pretty bullish on the players in these spots getting there, uh, especially price considered. And, and even from a raw perspective, I, uh, I, I don't, I can't even say this out loud. It just hurts so much. I was felt really great about Kyler being the raw high point scorer on the slate. So in hindsight, I look like a complete dunce, um, but I'm going to stick with it and say that I really feel like even despite the the performance and the results uh, i just felt like that set up so well the seahawks defense has just been a complete sieve just letting people run over them and just thought it was such a get right spot for this arizona offense turns out you can't make something right that is just completely broken uh but that was also great leverage off of you know, Benjamin, because I like the pass catchers in that spot too, because the offense is so condensed. 
but anyways, getting into the weeds a little bit there, but the, the point being, I really like some of these other spots. I thought the Rams were going to have a little bit of a, a get back week as well. Um, and kind of did, kind of didn't. Um, but but anyways, liked the guys and the, the spots these teams were in. And therefore, felt pretty strongly about building around those games and plugging in some of these other pieces from KC and Buffalo that I actually thought had a really solid chance of scoring. I'm not randomly plugging guys in there. And then in terms of the main slate overall, because I did end up playing that, um, the idea was simply... At that point, let me just create what I see as an optimal lineup. And I didn't take a stance on um, like playing Buffalo or KC. I kind of uh, took my lens off of that and I dropped that focus from that game, which I actually found to be very helpful because I think that sometimes we can get so... Um, not myopic because we're we're always taking these other things into consideration, but it's easy to become so focused on these high profile games that it, we, we start to, we can't get like a, a, a really a true feel for the entire slate because we've started to uh, just fixate on this one spot. So that actually felt really good to me to be able to uh, let go of fixating on that game and just build what I thought was an optimal roster. And because I feel really good about that roster and <laughs> it was my uh, only caching this weekend, I min cached here in this single entry tourney. Uh, but I'll share this lineup very quickly because I do feel really good about the process of it, even in hindsight. So the roster was Josh Allen, Devin Singletary, Eno Benjamin, Mike Evans, George Pickens, Jacoby Myers, Dawson Knox, Jamar Chase, Cardinals D. So just a real quick rundown of this roster. Got Josh Allen, Devin Singletary, and Dawson Knox with no bring back. Uh, I really like this in a small field single entry because between Josh Allen and Devin Singletary, you are theoretically getting all of the points from the Bills. As I mentioned, I really didn't think that they were going to go nuts here, but because I wasn't, or I was playing pretty, uh, like I didn't play Josh Allen in, in any other spot, and I was um, really underweight on the Bills in the afternoon slate, I felt pretty good about getting some exposure. And again, I didn't force that, but it, it was kind of a nice hedge and he's Josh Allen uh, and Devin Singletary still, he, he keeps getting up the opportunity, um, just hasn't had like a big game. So really liked how that set up for single entry. And then Dawson Knox is the other piece here that uh, just very cheap on an offense that scores a bunch, that has a red zone role. He's not uh, a guy who's going to get a ton of targets, but he is involved in the offense and sees a relatively consistent uh, share of targets when he is healthy. And he got there right at the end. Um, but I, I liked that setup there. 
no bringbacks, and that was mostly just because of how the rest of this roster worked out. So slotted in Eno, Eno Benjamin there. Uh, just thought he was in a good spot. Like I said, I was bullish on the Cardinals in general here. And so not only did I think he was in a good spot for his price, but just I really liked the team spot. Again, boy. Um, <laughs> so yeah, just ate the chalk there. And then my receivers were Mike Evans, George Pickens, uh, did that as a skinny stack. I really liked, you know, I started this week kind of liking the Brady Godwin, Mike Evans stack. And then I was like, you know what? I, I just don't know that I feel strongly about Brady getting there this week. I think that they can get there both on the air and on the ground. And I just, I, I came off of that, even though I started the week there and realized that Mike Evans is just the alpha in that offense, especially when it comes to a red zone role um, and didn't work out this week. Godwin ended up outscoring him. Mike Evans had just a complete baby of a week compared to what he's capable of. And yeah, I just, Mike Evans is a guy I've never gotten right. I think of only him and Julio. I've literally never had their blow up games. Um, I always play them on their down weeks. So RIP to that. George Pickens didn't work out either. I still think that is a sharp combo. You know, JM talked a lot about that uh, and the Pickens gentry thing at the end of the week. I still think all that is very sharp given what that game environment could have been. That was one of those things where it was just the NFL being the NFL, right? Uh, just wild, wild, wild. Uh, we're, we'll kind of talk about that to finish the podcast. Um, so anyways, felt good about those two who ended up scoring a combined 14 points. Oy. Uh, Jacoby Myers was somebody who... I uh, wanted to play as leverage off of Ramondre Stevenson. This was one of those ones where it was like, do I think that's the most likely that he outscores Stevenson? No, but it is very much within the range of outcomes that he could have a good game uh, at his price, at the, the workload that he has gotten times when he's healthy. I was okay going there. It didn't happen. Um, but again, from a process standpoint, I feel pretty good about where I was coming from. And then Jamar Chase in the flex. Yeah, you know, props and shout out to Larejo, who was uh, kind of all in on Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase this weekend. Uh, at least from a, a touting standpoint, uh, who knows what his actual rosters looked like. Uh, sh show us what you got, Larejo. Um but yeah, just he he has continued to be a complete alpha in that offense in terms of target share. And yes, we have T Higgins in there, but, um, you know, he's he's just he's getting peppered. And outside of I think it was week one, he hasn't had a blow up game yet. And so I like the call, thought this was a good spot and plugged him in there. And he was the one who got me to them in cash. So uh, nice to have. And then Cardinals D was uh, a spot that I really liked this weekend in a game where I did not expect the Seahawks to do very well. The Cardinals defense has actually quietly been pretty good. So got there on the defense and got there just barely with that lineup as a whole. 
But moving on here, uh, starting to wrap us up, uh, the overall, what I was kind of doing this weekend from a general roster construction standpoint was uh, playing cheap, good opportunity running backs, being okay with eating chalk there from a value standpoint. It just makes sense to do that. You don't have to go way off the board. I think, you know, I've done in past weeks, it's viable to say, oh, I'm going to pay up for one running back or pay up for two running backs. And uh, I forgot who it was this week, pointed out somewhere, but mentioned that if you're going to do that, you have to realize that you're expecting these guys to blow these other guys out of the water, which just seemed pretty unlikely this weekend. So totally fine going that route this week. And then uh, for receiver, I was really looking for volume. I've always done that with receiver, but especially this weekend, looking for volume and obviously touchdown potential. So a guy like Mike Evans just felt so good about him in this spot. And again, didn't work out at all, but I totally saw a uh, 10 target 102 game coming from him and just in general, then with the Buffalo KC game, what are some of these or what are some of the spots uh, or plays the guys in these offenses that can score and just aren't getting all the attention? All right, moving on from strategy, let's just take a quick look this week at the high performers. So moving on to fluke or fail, did we absolutely miss this week on these guys that we should have had, or was their performance fluky? As we normally do here, we'll look at the 30-plus point scores. Joe Burrow was our number one with a 35.5. As I just mentioned, Larejo was all about this uh, with these guys, uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, who was the number two with a 35.2, coming back to New Orleans and uh, just, yeah, having a game and being in a spot to do so. Strong plays. These guys are always going to have that potential. Uh, The game environment was one of those ones that wasn't the prime of the weekend, but was always had a little bit of potential there for some back and forth. So those two guys at the top two spots, um, not too much of a surprise. And yeah, if you stack those guys, you probably stacked some cash. Number three was Stefan Diggs with a 33.8. Yeah, I mean, hey, <laughs> he was in a uh, the, the game of the week. He is the alpha in this offense, uh, even though he has not had or like last year, he didn't have a ton of massive games. He's still the guy. It's a little bit he's, he's kind of more back into the guy alpha role this year. And so 13 targets, 10 catches, 148 yards, one touchdown. He's going to have 30 plus point games this year. Tyreek Hill at the fourth spot with a 32.7. Yeah, this is uh, a play that hurts a little bit because I initially really, really liked this spot for uh, Miami, Minnesota, something, a a game environment that I had highlighted in my notes early in the week. Um, 
didn't quite get there from an overall game standpoint or didn't get there from an overall game standpoint with a total of 40. Um, But yeah, two offenses with capable guys, (laughs) explosive guys in Tyreek Hill and Justin Jefferson and just condensed offenses. So uh, one of the things that was pointed out is that it was played in Miami. There was heat and without Teddy being a starter, those two pieces of of the heat and Teddy not being the starter kept me off of this game. Otherwise, I would have been heavy here. Heavy, heavy. I threw in a, kind of like a smaller dollar lineup somewhere that kind of overstacked this game. But anyways, Tyreek here, sharp. Always going to have that explosive ability in this offense. He did benefit from Teddy playing. Uh, not quite so sure he would have had that same score had Thompson played the entire game. Which, by the way, I just don't understand playing Thompson if Teddy was healthy. Um, sure, you don't have the, the the game planning all week and the practice there, but uh, he, you've got a, a veteran NFL quarterback versus this other guy so yeah a a little bit strange to me but anyways moving on josh allen at the five spot of course right (laughs) we talk about him he's he's in this segment every week with a 30 plus point score he had 30.36 did kind of get there late he was 329 yards three touchdowns uh 32 on the ground so nothing crazy there but yeah, just benefited from the game environment. And then our final guy is Matt Ryan. Wow. Didn't know if we'd see him in this section this year uh, with a 30.16. He had a whopping 389 yards. I say whopping because for him, uh, three touchdowns. What really was whopping here, though, is that he did this on 58 attempts Took him 58 attempts and 42 completions, by the way, which is uh, kind of incredible. Um, but as we can see, if we dip into the upper 20s here, both Michael Pittman and Deion Jackson had 29.4 and 28.1 points, respectively. So Lots of short passes here to Deion Jackson. He had an insane 10 catches for 79 yards uh, on 10 targets. So he caught every single one. Uh, Apparently CMC light there. (laughs) Deion Jackson. Love it. Uh, And Michael Pittman, 16 targets. Finally had his alpha game. Was kind of on him earlier in the year. Was not there in the spot. So anyways, as we can see here, Game environments and stacks, right? We just talked about Matt Ryan, Michael Pittman, Deion Jackson, uh, Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs were in there, and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. So as we've talked about and continue to talk about on a weekly basis here at OWS, uh, game environments are key. Stacking is still very much alive and well, and there's a reason that it works. All right. No major news there uh, in terms of flukiness this week. And so with that, we won't stay here any longer. We will wrap up with what did we learn this week? You know, I've said this before, uh, but I'm going to say it again. The NFL is a crazy place. And I'm going to say this again, not as a cop-out, 
not because we can't learn anything else, but because this is so important from week to week, how we put our rosters together, the field and our natural human brains is to put things together with certainty. So one of the reasons I really love willing to lose Lorejo's column, it there's always, always, always going to be something crazy happening. And so putting ourselves in position, especially as tournament players, to um, to gain from that is just so crucial. So I think the more that we can acknowledge that the NFL is crazy and that we don't know anything, um, the more that we can set ourselves up to be flexible from a mindset standpoint and benefit from it. So just to review, the Packers lost to the Jets. The Ravens lost to the Giants and the Bucks lost to the Steelers. Really? 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 Uh, I didn't see anything on Twitter, but man, if somebody had a, a parlay on those spots, just wow. Uh, but with that, uh, I'm going to send us off here. But however, before we go, I just want to quickly throw out there. If you're still with me, maybe I should have mentioned this early on in the podcast. Maybe I'll do so next week. Um send me your roster if you'd like to i will pick a a submission or two and review it you can either send it to me in the dms uh on uh discord at bfritz12 or just tag me in the reflection thread just just put a screenshot in there if you want give me a quick uh two sentence overview on your thoughts around it. Otherwise, just shoot me the screenshot and I will break it down and try to figure out what you're doing. Um, But I thought that might be a fun thing to do here is review some of your rosters and just talk through it might be a little bit more interesting than simply having me go over what I did this weekend. So send me your roster, send me your screenshots Hit me up at bfritz12 in Discord, in the Reflection channel, or by personal message. With that, thanks for hanging out. Appreciate your time. And I will see you at the top of the leaderboards next weekend.